So for eight years, I was a part of the most progressive Church of Christ in southwestern Arkansas. Yeah, I guess that's funny. Uh, it was, uh, we, we did have, it, it was, we, people drove for, uh, for an hour or so to past Churches of Christ to get to that Church of Christ, and they were doing that long before I got there. So it wasn't Benjamin Neely showed up and all of a sudden people, no, they, there was a preacher there by the name of Robert Peake, and he preached grace. He preached the love of God and grace to a bunch of people who had only heard very legalistic things. And so they showed grace. They, uh, we, had, we had people who would regularly say, um, we get called liberal, but we want to be liberal in love and grace and forgiveness. And that was our motto. That was our, we wanted to welcome these anybody. Uh, once someone said about the Mineral Springs Church of Christ, they'll take any old sinner. Amen. We were proud of that. We were proud of doing living like that. Um, and it was an interesting mix of folk. Because we had people who, if you met them on the street and you said, hey, real quick, what are you? They would say, I'm a Baptist. And we would, they would say, okay, well, where do you go to church? They would say, the Mineral Springs Church of Christ. We had a, a, a charismatic front row, which, that's a hoot. Good for them. We had a uh, Baptist back corner, um, and just and we messed with them. You know, we would I would I would say, yeah, y'all back there are starting your committee before I get done with the sermon. Like we just we liked messing with each other, and they made jokes about us. Um, they would say, I'm going to make like a Church of Christ and split, and <laughs> and so and we enjoyed that. Um, we had we had people who identified as Pentecostal. We had people who identified as Charismatic. People who identified as Catholic, and they didn't lose that. But they sat at our table, and what a blessing that was to get to live that for eight years. There was a church down the road, though that I was always a little perplexed by. Uh, because we had more members than them. They had a huge building, but they, we, had, we had more members than them. But they had more people show up every Sunday. And they would, people would, that parking lot would be packed Sunday morning, for Bible class, Sunday morning for worship. And then again, Sunday night, they had another Bible class and another worship service, and everybody showed back up. And it turns out, once you quit telling people they're going to hell if they miss, they miss. 
We have here, we have about 250 people who regularly show up. We never can smell that number. And that's wonderful. You're doing stuff with your kids and out and you've got tournaments you go to and then you come here and you worship with us. Whenever you're here, we're happy. And it's really tough being a preacher and being in a grocery store. Because I see people I haven't seen in a second. And I'm very excited to see them. Because I love my church. And I love you guys. And I'm excited to see you. And I say, hey, how's it going? You know, oh, we've missed a couple of weeks because we've... Like I'm swinging in with a whip. Oh, yeah, uh, we've missed a little bit because we've had... Uh, uh, oh, no, I wasn't. I was just happy. But I just wanted to hear about your week. And you get down to... The, the other extent, the other uh, extreme of that is, well, do we even need to be somewhere? Like, can you be a follower of Christ and not a participant in church? And some of you are sitting there saying, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. And some are saying, please say no, please say no, please say no. But I think that's just a completely backwards way to even look at it. Those of you who know me best know that I'm just going to challenge the question. It's not about whether or not you can be a follower of Jesus and participate in a church. I think the proper way to look at it is... Can I help the church be the kingdom of God without being present? How many of you have wanted to give up before? Maybe not always. Yeah, let's, I wasn't asked for a show of hands, but let's go. Yeah, you want to give up on church a little bit. I've been there. People, period. People can be difficult. People can be argumentative people can be selfish and here's the problem is i'm people too and so i can be difficult i can be argumentative i can be selfish i can <laughs> they thought you were waving at them okay you weren't waving at them y'all raised those hands Carson and Nolan thought they were waving, so they've been waving for the past 30 seconds. And now stop. Okay. So we've, but you, like, the, the intermingling of cultures and backgrounds and differences and standards even can make this place a difficult, or any church, any organized group can make it a difficult place in which we exist together. But this is not a new problem. 
This is not the way, like we, we have it in the 20th century. Now that the country is divided and now that this thing is, uh, this is a serious problem here and I think it's a serious problem and you don't think it's a serious problem and we disagree on whether the problem is, much less the solution. And now that we're divided like that out there and we've let it seep in to our in here, This isn't the first time that one side of the congregation has looked at the other and said, can I even do this with you anymore? That was from the jump. From the get-go, the church was divided. Paul wrote several letters. Romans, and he wrote them in this order. Romans, no, I'm kidding, he... They're, they're in our Bibles. Romans, he wrote to the Corinthians, to the Galatians. He wrote to the Colossians. He wrote to Timothy and Titus. He wasn't just saying hi, was he? He wasn't saying, I've had some pretty cool thoughts on theology and I need to share these with somebody. Why was Paul writing those letters it's because they needed to be written and why did they need to be written it's because the church wasn't doing its main function which was to exist as an arm of the kingdom of god in that place and instead they were arguing with each other and the main problem the main problem between the two groups was you had a a, a law group, and you had a, 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 well, we'll call it Gnostic, but that's not really a good describer for you guys. Um, it, they had a group that just really struggled with their old pagan life versus uh, and thought versus what Jesus was and tried to blend the two. And both sides were wrong. But Paul's answer over and over again was love. Paul's answer wasn't, here's who's correct. All throughout the Roman letter, he is, he is wrestling with this idea of there are people who don't like eating certain things. These were law followers. And he doesn't say, y'all stop that. He says, that's your conscience. Here you. And there's people who loved bacon. And those were the normals. I'm just kidding. But there was, that's the group I'd be in. And if the other group was saying, well, when we meet, you can't have bacon. I used to, I, right? I used to call that the trifecta. When I had bacon for every meal, it was just a good day. It's one of my last, but it's a good day. But there's a, that was a problem even, they were having trouble sitting at the same table. And church has morphed into a place we show up to so that we can kind of check our box and then go to lunch. 
And that's where the fellowship happens at lunch. But what God was hoping for is not just some country club or cult in which we got together and did the right sorts of things for the right sorts of reasons with the right sorts of people. What God was hoping for, and actually it wasn't just a subset of what Jesus did. One of the main things Jesus did when he came to earth and died on the cross and rose from the grave and now sits on the throne was defeat division within the community. Not let's paint a, let's, let's write, let's get new stone tablets. We'll need a lot of them. We'll write on the front and the back and we'll write exactly how people are supposed to worship, how people are supposed to think, how people, what perspectives people are coming from. This is exactly what you're supposed to say and when you're supposed to say it. It wasn't new law, but it was a new table. Jesus conquered division and it's the love that we have for each other that we demonstrate for each other here that shows to the world what true what following jesus can do not just for you but for your community that we can find a common hope that doesn't fit on a bumper sticker and doesn't have a year on it that we can find a common hope that is self-sacrificial instead of self-promoting. That we can find in Jesus, in the King, a, a love that gives up of self for the other. I've had a lot of people come up to me after a worship service and tell me what they don't like. Not here, much. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, early on, I just thought, like, I don't want. I, I remember I, uh, the lapel mic broke at uh, a church we were working with in Texarkana. I was preaching. So the lapel mic broke, and I had to stand behind the pulpit. When I stand behind a pulpit, I feel like a child. I feel like I need a booster, I, and they always feel too big. I'm not, I'm not a big person, like tall person. I'm a big person. I'm not a tall person. And so I just feel like I'm wearing my dad's suit, standing behind, standing on a step stool behind. So I liked being out. Well, I couldn't be out from behind the pulpit. I stood behind the pulpit, stood there, planted my feet, preached my sermon, the guy came up to me afterwards and said, you know what I really liked? I liked how you didn't move around at all. What a fun compliment. You know how you regularly are? I like something different. <laughs> and you have people, they have opinions. Uh, I had a... That same guy came by one time after I preached and he said, that was, a pretty, that, was, I, that was pretty good. And I said, Rachel wrote it. <laughs> Just to mess with him. But you'll, they'll say, I don't like this, I don't like that. And that's okay. You have opinions. 
and you're loved. You have an, you have an opinion. It doesn't mean necessarily we're going to go with it. Once we had a, a guy uh, at, in Arkansas say, uh, well, um, we, we had started playing music softly, a cappella music softly over the speakers before service. And he said, uh, he, he was sitting there, and he's usually up around talking, and he was sitting there a little downcast. And I walked up and said, hey, man, how you doing? Is everything okay? And he said, we're going to be Baptist eventually. <laughs> he said, I don't like all this music playing, and I don't like how you make us get up and talk to each other, greet each other, and greet our neighbors. It's just... I don't like it. And I lovingly said to him, well, that's, I want you to know that you can relax because we don't make any decisions based on what you'll like. And you know what? He relaxed. It hit him then and there that like his anxiety wasn't the anxiety of God. That what we're stressed about God isn't stressed about. One of the beautiful things God does is he loves us and knows our story. God knows from whence you came. God understands the steps you've taken. God gets your brokenness. No one, no one in this world gets your brokenness like God gets your brokenness. God is not all verklempt at your brokenness. God is not astonished. God loves you and knows your story. And what I have found with church folk and with different church folk is that God gets us and teaches us to get others when we hear their stories. And you know the best place to do that is the table. We're here together surrounding this table. This Ephesians passage, I want to go back to it. Notice the emphasis here. Galatians and Ephesians. I have the, I'm reading from the NRSV difficult to read version. He says, in Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, might also... I might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, had believed and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Here's the, here's the mission of the church right out of the gate. And it has nothing to do with just preference. It has everything to do with the gospel of God, what Jesus did when he came is he created a lot of we's and you also's. I've grown up a we. 
I was in the church probably eight days after I was born. I was baptized on my 12th birthday, I think. Not really, but it was close. I mean, it was probably before, so you can slide in under that age of accountability. We showed up every time the doors were open, and not just that, we we opened the doors. I'm a church person. But by that, I mean I've just been here. I was at the donut store this morning, and the woman asked me, do you go to church every Sunday? And I said, I'm a pastor. They make me. (laughs) I want to be here. I miss it when I'm not. I'm a we. Sometimes churches can get so caught up in the we that we forget about all the you also's that God is chasing after. That we forget that the Holy Spirit is wanting to leave the mark of Jesus on all of you also. And that not the committees, not the, the, the uh, pomp and circumstance, not the pews and the direction and the preacher and the communion, not, the, not all of the things we go through every Sunday. That, the we and the you also, that's church. Church is not a weekly thing. Church is a table thing. Church is a community thing. And we have a place that we want. We want this place to be a place full of we's and you also's. He goes on to say in Ephesians that the the absolute surprise of the gospel is that Jesus united a bunch of people. That were very different. He says the mystery of God. Is that you're here too. It was a surprise. There are tons of people out there. And you're friends with them. That would be surprised that they fit in here. That they're loved here. That there's a place for them. Here. And maybe you're thinking of them. Maybe you're thinking you know that person. They don't know if they can be a you also anywhere. But we want them to be one here. You want this place to grow? Invite people. We can put Facebook ads out and say, here, look at this sermon clip. And we can have... All sorts of events. We had a car show here yesterday. A lot of cars were here worshiping God together. We're going to have fall festival and we're going to reach out to these apartments. We have a lot of programmatic stuff coming. But the quickest way for us to bring people into Jesus into the community that follows Jesus into a united, hopeful, spirit 
filled church is for you to call or text that friend that needs a place and offer them a place next to you. People are going to show up to church. There's a lot. I mean, there was a, a thought a long time ago about how uh, well people don't like coming to church. They'd rather go to like a home Bible study, and that was born out in Korea, not here. Because in Korea, going to a church was a going to a church building was a difficult thing. But I found. That in the U.S., asking someone to a home Bible study is as awkward as it gets. That's a a hard no. But telling them that you'll save them a seat. Knowing, them knowing they could go to a place and they have a friend already. That's how we grow this church. It's you. It's your spots that you save. It's your pew that you're willing to give up. And if if we can just invite our friends, we want them to find a place that I'm going to do the best I can. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll try not to run them off. 99% sure I'm not going to run them off. DJ's going to lead them in worship. And you're going to welcome them. No matter who they are, from where they come, their background, their, their direction, their struggles, they can find a seat at this table, and it's not just a part of the gospel, that's how we live out the gospel. That's what the gospel did for us, is we are united in Christ around a common king as broken people loved by God. Let's pray. Our Father, you are holy, and we cannot function without you we're just not we're not great at it we're not um we're not good on our own but you with us when you are with us when we lean on you you change everything god i am so grateful for the power you have to change us to affect us to to lead people to us. God, may we be the kingdom you expect. Kingdom you want for this world. God, if there are people in our lives who are who are hoping to find a place to belong. Lay those people on our heart. And give us the courage to invite them to a place that will love them. And give us the love to be the place that loves them. It's in your son's holy name we pray.
Amen.